recording the video now just because it's there. Um, amazing. Welcome. Okay, I'm going to move actually on this side. I'm trying to like get sun, but then also not get too much sun. Do you know what I mean? Like I want to... <laughs> I'm literally sat in front of... Because my room is the front room of the Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much sun on me. Uh, yeah, I'm amazing. literally on my window as well. <laughs> oh, I feel like I should probably tie this up maybe. So it's not like just flapping around. <laughs> I've got ombre curtains, cool guys. Curtains. I was going to say, like, those are sick, sick curtains. They're ombre. <laughs> they're ombre. Look, I got a new rug as well. Look how fat it is. Oh, Ooh. sick. Where'd you get that from? I got it from Ikea. Oh, shit. Sorry, I'm oh, knocking everything God. over. <laughs> gang, 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 gang. I dropped tea all over my MacBook, which is now dead. Oh, have you? <laughs> you put your tea yeah, on your I'm MacBook? Using, I'm using my friend's MacBook right now. Thank God. Oh, really? I wouldn't be able to do any uni work. Oh, bless you. Um, oh, bless you. Okay. Sorry. Everything's recorded. We're all good. Should I start? Hi, guys, and welcome to episode five. Whoop, 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 whoop. This is DM Talks. I'm your host, Sarah Dario. And um, DM Talks is a podcast that aims to promote well-being and assist healing, whether that be physically, mentally or spiritually. Ultimately, we just want to be seen in our entirety, and this podcast hopes to show listeners how multifaceted they are. We're all at the centre of our own universe, so why don't we do more to better our own existence? So, um, hi listeners, welcome. I am so excited to do this episode today. I'm joined by two amazing people. Um, I will... Well, one of them, actually, you've already seen before. One of them is back. She's got some more information that she wants to share with us. Um, it's Ella. Say hey, Ella. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me back again. I'm excited. Um, yeah, no, Ella, we needed to have you back. You came in and you spoke your truth. You said your mind. And it was just so beautiful to, like, listen to what you have to say on this to- this important subject to all of us, you know? Um I'm also joined by another guest. She is a baddie. She is a force, an academic, everything. Say hello <laughs> to the world, Hibs. Stop gassing me, you. Honey, <laughs> I have to. Also, I have to. Like, nails. Quarantine is doing this to a girl right now. Oh, wait, have you seen those memes? <laughs> Look at my nails. Fucking hilarious. Mate. Look at mine. The... <laughs> so bad. <laughs> <laughs> How are we today? How's your Wednesday? Yes. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> it's still you, what, have you, what have you guys been doing today? Um, in it's quarantine. My, it's my housemate's birthday. Um, oh, yes. Oh, happy birthday, so, Tom. Yes, Shout happy out Tom. Birthday. Happy birthday, Tom. 24 today. Oh, Almost quarter of a century old. <laughs> I'm going to be 25 in like nine days. So. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Ladies and really? Gents. Oh, my God. I'm basically. Oh. Dead, so. Do you have no, any that's plans of celebrating your birthday at home? Well, selling your birthday in quarantine? It's really sad because all my housemates have gone home and like I oh. can't even go home. I need to make sure I'm quarantined here. And yeah, I've got some deadlines all at the end of this month, so I can't even quite celebrate. Oh, well, maybe give yourself a day. Wait, do you have a bath? No, I don't even have a bath. Like, that's the same Oh, thing. damn. I was going to say, give yeah. yourself the day off, drink no. rosé or, like, white wine, something I'm like sorry, I'm still gonna shit do all those and truthful. I'm, I'm just <laughs> alone doing it, which is even sadder, but... 
you know what I said to I said this to all my friends I was like I'm not gonna celebrate my 25th this year I'm just gonna continue being 24 until the next year like, I think <laughs> I think that's like a good thing to do because then you'll get to like 27 28 or like and people be like how old is Hibs like she's so <laughs> mystical like is she 30 is she 21 it's like I swear so she's jokes. been here for like ever like how old is she does anyone know this mystical woman like, mystical magical from? woman <laughs> <laughs> oh wait um so I thought let's get dwell straight into the podcast um I'm so excited to well chat with you guys because I know that we've spoken about this before we really wanted to get into the nitty and gritty of um different aspects of feminism however um i like it because we're all from different like walkways of life so i think we're gonna yeah. have like a really interesting like conversation because it's just gonna be like well quite diverse you know yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, i'm excited as well because i think at halloween me and hibs just bumped into each other at a party and i was about to go home and we literally oh spoke for like God, four yeah. hours <laughs> And like really? literally all of all of my friends left because they thought I'd got in an Uber to go home because I was too drunk. And then like they walked down into the kitchen, they're like, I thought you'd left like four hours ago. Oh, that's know, so funny. Like, Women like well and like Oh my god, yeah. What? Yeah, it was crazy. It was ridiculous. And then you just see me and Ella just talk about feminism in the kitchen, like really, really fucked. It was. <laughs> I mean, all the most important conversations happen in the kitchen at four in the morning, aren't? Isn't that the yeah, truth? Isn't do. that just British culture? Yeah, like, we'll have, sig, we'll have another sig, and then it got to like six sigs later, and I was just like, it then just got that phase of like, we need photos now to like come to this moment. Oh my goodness, that's one thing that we we're gonna. Do. Oh my goodness, uh, like uh, one of my housemates who Ella and him both know was just saying how busy like life is going to be after quarantine like even the little things like taking pictures of the girls toilets like oh, oh yes can you imagine but also I'm kind of terrified because it's going to be everywhere is going to be packed everywhere. everywhere is going to be packed and everyone's going to be on it for about a week like I'm expecting not to sleep for five days <laughs> It's I'm gonna so, yeah. not go out. I'm gonna avoid it. No, I'm gonna go out, but I'm just gonna chill with my friends. Like I think I'm not gonna yeah. like be too much like, oh, I wanna hit out this party, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. I think yeah. I'm liking this, yeah. you know, still life, you know. Yeah, yeah. Saying that though, I, I I definitely think I'm gonna blow it out. I'll say that, but <laughs> I just wanna like chill. Well, we've had and a lot of like... time to kind of reflect, and I think if you haven't been reflecting, then you probably should because there's a lot of stuff we need to kind mm. of yeah definitely ourselves as well as yes other definitely people, I think. and it yeah. makes you kind of makes you be grateful for the little things in life definitely definitely oh. i think yeah it's it's like it's i think it's just made everyone like more appreciative of the people they're around and like the places that they go and also like mm-hmm. just the services that we have like in our society like yeah. even you see it now I like highlights, you know like the whole essential workers and people who aren't being paid enough for their jobs and people are thinking like you know you voted for a government where they don't pay these people a lot of money and then you act surprised when they're struggling especially in a very, yeah like, in a pandemic like this and then you, you act grateful it's like oh let's go outside and clap for the nhs let's clap how about you fucking go vote for someone that you don't need to start clapping when you go yeah. outside? Yeah, I mean that. The NHS that, isn't a charity either, so. No, I think that's like the the weirdest thing that I'm seeing at the moment is like people trying to raise money for the NHS through services yeah. like Virgin well, like, Media and Amazon. 
it's like you're lying. Like, <laughs> I literally just finished the run, the, the verge of the 5K thing, then went on social media and then realized that, like, realized, well, became aware of, like, we're putting money back into this man who, who sued the NHS yes. and has a lot of money. And he, he, he literally and asked our government. So. Yeah, and he, he literally like asked our government to bail him out after like the correct like correct like COVID nineteen pandemic pandemic because he's going to be losing so much money on his airlines. But he owns like broadband, Wi Fi, like banking. It's like, like yeah, if like if, if, if greed, at what point does greed become like to the point where you have to be embarrassed about what you're doing because clearly yeah. man does not have a guilty conscience on his mm. at all. Like he's just going to yeah. ask for more and more money, and people will keep giving him money as well. Like that's the it's worrying. The yeah, it is. It is worrying, and like the fact that there's a relief fund that like what's he called? Jeff can't pronounce his second name. <laughs> the guy that owns Amazon. So he set up oh, a relief okay. f- after refusing to pay his like workers a proper wage, yeah. like forcing them to take unpaid leave is now like, here's a relief fund for my workers. And he could, I think someone like estimated, I don't think this, He's I'm not sure so if this statistic so is money. right, but it's like, if he paid all of his workers like 500 pounds, like I think I saw that on Twitter. 1% of his wealth or something. It's That's disgusting. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, we're really about to get into it. Like, we're going probably like going straight into the, not even in the coding the messes bit yet, and we're already getting in. But I'm excited, I'm excited, excited. Um, so for this segment, first off, we go talk about the divine, and the divine is where you highlight, nominate a good thing that's either happened to you or someone else that you know, or you say kind of want to big up. Um, I've got two nominations, right? Oh, is Sweet. the sun good here, or is it like, am I okay here, or do you think I should be more forward? Um, if, you look, you if your look eyes are okay and you can handle the sun, then yeah. I, I feel like a bit of a fool. Like I want sunglasses to be inside, but I think that's a bit <laughs> extra. Do you know what I mean? But then I also don't want like I might just chill here. Okay, I'm gonna chill here. Yeah, Sorry, that, I just had to double check that. It's kind of elusive like that. She got a bit of a shadow. It's a bit like yeah, a bit of shadow of like ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so for the kind of go back a bit and be like, oh, it's getting a bit dark now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when when drama's about to happen. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. <laughs> um, yeah. So amazing. For the first segment we have is the divine. Um, the divine is where we nominate a good thing, and because I've got two guests, I decided to nominate two good things. Okay. So my first one is this book. I fucking love it. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It's a big book. It's a big, big book, but I absolutely love it. It's called Woman Who Ran With The Wolves. Um, It's written by, I hope I'm saying this name right, Clarissa Pinkola Estes. A bit of a, like, I hope so. Anyway, so she um, wrote this book. It's honestly gorgeous. Alice Walker has actually wrote... um, on the front of the book here, she said, Women Who Ran With The Wolves isn't just another book. It's a gift of profound wisdom, insight, love, an oracle from one who knows. And I've, um, so this author, essentially she's got a selection of short um, stories. It's a load of folk tales, but she's also a Jungian analyst and a storyteller of many years. So she basically writes, she, she, she 
presents a story and then for the next like corresponding pages she'll talk about the sort of um, feminine archetypes of the story or how intuition was developed and how we are like wolves and it's actually um, sort of backwards how we aren't going to our our intuitive our innate like sort of um, instinctive nature because that's what um, encourages the divine feminine to um, protect love like nurture grow develop mature as a person and um, yeah no it's honestly it's such a beautiful book like the more that I read it I'm just like oh my god oh my god oh my god there's something so interesting in here I actually pulled out a page for um oh that I wanted to well I just a paragraph that I just wanted to read out really quickly and um it asks how does wild woman affect women with wild woman as ally as a leader model teacher we see not through two eyes but through the eyes of intuition which is as which is many-eyed. When we assert intuition, we are therefore like the starry night. We gaze at the world through a thousand eyes. How do you feel about that? That's beautiful. I love that. That's beautiful. When you hear that, wow. Yeah. When I said that to you, what did you like? What was your response to that? Um, to those senses. Hmm. I feel like with the with the whole because it's about this book is about like like intuition and stuff like that isn't it like Mm -hmm. it says here on the blurb that the book shows how feminine wilderness is both positive and necessary quality for women to carry and cultivate and it just sort of encourages intuition but it also encourages us to um be more like our wolf selves or find the wolves within us i think that's really interesting because i i've definitely gone through my life where i've had people tell me like you know for example when I've I've had a bad feeling about something and I just say like mm. oh it's my intuition I, I'm not gonna do it and then they just say oh that's stupid like why are you gonna how do you feel like that's a bad thing like that person mm. hasn't shown you that they're bad and I'm always right like I'm a very always always I believe that's I, th- I definitely believe that women should you know follow that and never let someone kind of deny them that or tell them mm. that they should because I think it is part of who you are and constantly suppressing that I think as well is kind of blinds you in, in a lot of, in a lot of ways to a lot of things as well. So. I think um, it's, it it sounds like a much more interesting version of Angela Carter's bloody chamber. If you've heard of that. Oh no, Um, I haven't heard of that. So um, Angela Carter is probably the most problematic writer. (laughs) (laughs) I hate her. I had to study her in my degree and I just, I hate the woman. Like, I don't <laughs> why do you really like her well um so it's it, again it's about like feminine wilderness and like kind of um retelling folk tales and fairy stories through like a feminine lens but okay. um she is crazy because she do you know the mark so the Marquis de Sade was a man that wrote this book called 120 days of Sodom which is literally about um him he wrote it in jail it's him basically raping and killing all of these children and she bases her whole like I think the worst time to start recording (laughs) she's like she um bases all her like sort of mystical elements of these like feminine fairy stories in that and she claims that this man was the first ever person to locate the clitoris um 
and it's very like yeah it's fucking stupid like i even spoke to my mum about this and my mum was literally like yeah and i was like i call that at the right time as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's just like um it's it's just it's just white feminism i think she's trying to be as um not it's not even subversive she's just trying to be as violent and phallic as men but trying to justify herself as doing that as a woman but she's not even changing the perspective um and uh yeah she just she's like there's so much there's, there's like layers and layers of this but i think mm. this the book you're on about sounds more interesting because am i right in thinking she's spanish or south america yeah south so she's she's from she's oh where is she from Oh, it literally said, I want to say she's Spanish. Well, her last name is, but, um, oh, oh, what if, you know what? I'm going to give this a quick Google. Because I, <laughs> I, I think that would be a more interesting perspective to write those things on because there's, there's, there's just more depth in, in mm. that kind of feminine mysticism from um, sort of non-white lineages, I'd say. <laughs> it's yeah. not yeah, so all about kind of rape so she's, and horrible it says, things. It says here she's Mestiza Latina, which is Native American and Mexica Spanish, um, but okay. an American poem. And but all of these stories, like she's travelled and journeyed, like, um, and I, I'm excited to get to the end because she has a chapter about how um, she wrote the book and how she went to um, all these different places around the world. Like you have stories from Poland, you have stories from Russia, you have stories from Brazil, and the way that it's been sort of like respected and like translated um in a way that's very like able to digest from your whatever reader like whatever yeah. like sort of point that you're in but also it hasn't sort of um like whitewashed any of the stories either do you know what i mean like it hasn't yeah. like an issue with a lot of like feminist li literature and like especially western ones it's like i'm reading yeah. it like i'm on the outside looking in i can't even relate in that sense because it's like this isn't even my like not to say my story that i don't need yeah need read out like that it's more of a kind of like a feeling of a sense of community where it yeah. really does that, i think yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I, I, but I, I find that with a lot of white feminist literature in the same, I, I don't think it relates to a lot of women in the sense of it's very egotistical. It comes from a very egotistical place, especially mm. with writers like Angela Carter. It's about her fetishes and her like extremities and then claims to be feminist. And then it's yeah. like, well, you're just talking to start a community and you're maybe using that kind of narrative of being a woman to push it forward and to get it a bit more clout you know um mm. and yeah it like it still continues in even in like modern feminist literature it's very yeah. um it excludes a lot of people it's very like kind of um like all about me kind of that kind of view viewership because it's not necessarily like hey this is we're not a, it's not a weak like collective kind of thing it's more of an i me mm. me and like, especially with wh white feminist literature and stuff like that, I just, oh, definitely, yeah. it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't feel like a community to me and it doesn't, e doesn't even like help highlight or like help bring up other communities or people who, you know, are vulnerable and like oppressed groups and stuff like that. It's just, it's very like yeah. self-serving mm. and distasteful. I think you, you can't assume that your personal um sort of struggles relate to everyone else as a yeah, woman it's not an end like, all people yeah. either. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of like too many white women sort of take that narrative. It's like, oh, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I experienced this in my family or my social background. And all, so therefore all women have faced that where they're, they're not actually taking into account the privileges that they had within them that, and they might have felt that oppression sort of tenfold if they were black or if they were queer or trans. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's just an importance of um, sort of like allowing, so whatever sort of community, like whatever marginalized community who are, talking about their problems they need to be talking about their problem not people talking for them they yes. need to be centered they need to be uplifted and they need to mm-hmm. have their needs then accustomed to them you know exactly yeah it's, it's just- definitely i think it's, it's even a problem that expands outside feminism i think that um again you have like white men trying to write black narratives a lot in hollywood at the moment like quentin oh, yeah. tarantino with um django and chained and he was like took this kind of white savior position like i need to write a story for black men to feel liberated within this sort of cowboy narrative and um i was like what what, what how why are you like you know nothing yeah. you know and like the whole <laughs> thing tarantino definitely just wrote that just so he could say the n-word like 50 million times in the film yeah like more than <laughs> he already does <laughs> no there was no need so do you guys have anything that you'd like to nominate for the divine yes what do you have to nominate? Um, I'd like to nominate a uh, psychologist called R.D. Lang, uh, whose sort of ideas have really spoken to me at the moment, like during quarantine. So oh, R.D. Lang was um, a anti-psychiatrist. So he's, he um, like rejected psychology and psychiatry like in an institutional form. And he basically said that it's it's obviously up for dispute, but there's no real such thing as mental illness. Mental illness is simply a reaction to a really deeply divided and structured like social system. And I think um, really like being out of work at the moment um, and kind of within an, my own space and my own head, I realise how many sort of pressures in my day to day life are causing me to be anxious or causing me to be depressed. And I think it's a really interesting time to reflect in. Um, I think these things can make us, I guess, like reimagine like the bad things that we have to, we are embodied, but like, we are put in in like a day-to-day right. basis. You know? Sorry, I'm <laughs> it's funny, it's cute. Sorry, it's really interesting that you say that because it's like, um, yeah, anti-psychiatry, am I right, is, um, suggests that our reaction is a sane reaction to um, the things that we've experienced in the world. And now that we are isolated because they've been removed and we can sit with ourselves, well, you can sit with yourself and you can see sort of um, accept and learn about yourself is really like, empowering you know mm-hmm. so that's really interesting because because definitely I think the things in quarantine that have been giving me like adverse mental health or just like adverse just mental anything have been like yeah shit like I have to apply for universal credit because my employer is refusing to pay me and that stresses oh, that's me shit. out and then because like I'm in my own headspace all day I'm realizing actually I'm fine up to this point and then something from the outside world that is negative impacts me and I react mentally badly. And like, it's, it's, just, it's just interesting, like realizing the kind of, um, I guess the forces against us, just like in the everyday world and when we're taken away from them, we can like reevaluate them, you know? 
yeah that's um, so interesting i love how you put that what about you hibs my mind has literally gone blank because I just feel like all the uni work that I've just had the last couple of days has fried my brain. Like, oh, I'm bless you. Constantly, like, I've not seen a human in, like, four days. Like, really? I'm a bit mad. Yeah, all my housemates have gone home, so I'm just kind of, like, in, you know, when you're in that mindset of just constantly, like, work, 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 like, and I can't even, like, allow myself to have fun. Like, I just feel guilty. Oh, bless you. No, it's really bad. Well... I've got my second nomination can maybe uplift you when you want to have a, um, a little break. So, have you ladies watched Killing Eve? No. I haven't actually. Oh, <laughs> I've Killing so Eve. I've been told by it's so on many BBC. people It's on BBC. It's on BBC. I literally started watching it two days ago and I finished the whole season in one day. Like, How many episodes are there? Um, I want to say like eight, <laughs> at least eight, <laughs> something like that. Eight, eight, like you can. It, I, can I mean, it. if it was ten, I wouldn't be shocked. Like I went through it. It's, I don't want to give too much away, um, but they've just released season three. Sorry, the okay. lights really pissing me off. Um, they've just released season three on. Um, well BBC so that's going to be coming out every Wednesday or so but oh my god it's so good so like basically there's this female um oh yeah and str like strong female presence strong female cast um Sandra Oh amazing actor she is um sort of in the MI9 um a bit of a spy let's say and she needs to hunt down this uh, female assassin. And it's really interesting how they work together because it's a story that you don't really see much often with female lead being the detective and sort of being the nitty gritty and the working, like um, sort of the investigation aspect, I guess. And also seeing the character, um, Jodie Corner, Corner, I want to say her name is. Um, she actually used to be in My Mad Fat Diary. Oh, who yeah, did she? Yeah, yeah. yeah, she was. Oh, she was the main character's best friend. I can't remember her name though. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's her, and she's. Oh my god, she's so sick. Like she's this. She's a complete psycho, but you just love her, and she's really entertaining. But she's like really inventive and an attention seeker, but also really like wicked. Like it's really interesting to watch, and I, I've really enjoyed it. So I definitely recommend that. Maybe oh, after you finish a long day at work. Oh yeah, I'll definitely give it a watch later this evening yeah. after I've oh. finished this essay that I'm doing, but that's for <laughs> another time. <laughs> oh, bless you. So we've come to the segment of decoding the messes where we basically unpack something that we consider mess. So this could be something that we see online, offline, um, just something that we want to give some more attention to and hopefully can grow from. Um, as I've invited Ella and Hibs today, and we spoke so much about feminism, we want to talk more about um, the intersections within that now. And I wrote this little paragraph earlier, <laughs> and um, it basically says, every difference matters the importance of intersections. I say every difference matters because as a group, right, we all have needs. We all have um, uh, functions, like, we, sorry, I can't speak. We all have needs. We all have um, goals. Our goals may differ to others. Woo. 
I like your top hips. Is it a top or a dress or like a? It's a, a dress. It's a, it's a traditional Somali dress. It's so pretty. My mum like sells them as well because she owns her own like shop oh, and amazing. she imports them from like Saudi Arabia. Oh, and so... it's a Somali, typically Somali dress, but they make it over there. So, but yeah, really? all my friends are like, I have one, and I'm like, I don't know if this is bordering like cultural appropriation but because i'm from the culture <laughs> say yes you can have one but you know just don't yeah. go it around outside in town and everywhere because people literally stop them and be like you're not supposed to wear that <laughs> yeah but. yeah no yeah well like i am um, yeah it's it's, it's it's a different it's a difficult one really because like i've got a friend um from like a family friend from Bangladesh like our families are all like friends of each other and my mum was going to um I think just like what was it some function or some party or something and like they really really wanted her to dress up in like traditional like Bangladeshi clothes oh, okay. and it's she was yeah because she was and she was like I, I feel a bit uncomfortable because I don't want you know obviously like cultural appropriation you don't want to like overstep that line but yeah. they were like oh well you know like we're expected to dress in your traditional dress or whatever like you you should really and it, yeah. it, it, it's that constant thing like I was I, I've still got a lot of the clothes really and I feel like uncomfortable wearing them because it obviously it's not my culture and it's a culture that like white people have really demonized and like cracked into but it's yeah. like I was given I think it's, you know, I think context yeah. obviously is really important like if someone so asks important. you for an event then you definitely you can but if obviously mm-hmm. by the off chance you're leaving that event and someone t- snaps a photo of you and goes on Twitter like look at this bitch culturally appropriating and then oh, you're goodness. like oh. You know, so my friend, my friend Leah, she was actually my first guest on the show. She was in East Africa. She had, she got her hair braided, right? She got her hair braided by literally like a woman from from the country, from the continent. Um, Where was she? I think she was in Tanzania. I can't remember. Anyway. She came back like two days later and went to a festival and this girl tried to have a go at her for cultural appropriation. And it's like, I've literally got my hair done by a black woman in East Africa. And she was... She was treating me. She wanted me to look like because she was doing like volunteer work, I think. So she was with a group of people, and they bonded. And she she was showing some love. So how can you be like ah cultural preparation, cultural preparation when yeah. you literally yeah. were in East Africa? Like just, what the it's fuck? Just like if people don't know, then you can't really blame them for not knowing because obviously. Yeah. Nine out of ten times, it's always white girls who are like, "I'm getting my hair braided for a festival, and I'm gonna get these fake locks and shit because, mm. and I'm not part of like black culture, and I don't want any of the oppression that comes with being black. I just want to look black for the day." But then yeah. that, that one percent where the person does actually go to that country and like people of that cu- um, culture do like invite them in, I guess is okay. But you kind of, I mean, for her to go to a festival after she'd been there, maybe she should have taken them out. That's just my own. Mm because you, you you're not people aren't gonna know and no one's gonna sit there and be like oh yeah let tell me exactly why you yeah. should mm. I think it's just that sort of that um people a lot of people think they're access to you and they think that they can come and talk to you as well like be very like um because you're there because you're so near to me I can put my feelings onto you and it's just like but I'm not accessible you don't know me you know yeah, you like you could have mind your business, but you chose it, to speak up. <laughs> it, it is a difficult one as well because a lot, 
um, I find a lot of the time it's it's white girls preaching to white girls about cultural appropriation. <laughs> Literally, and I'm like, oh my god, I have a story, guys. <laughs> oh wait, do you know what? This is a perfect time to take into the segment of decoding the messes, right? So decoding the messes is where we unpack something that we've seen, heard, something that's just irked us in a way, and I can feel like we're about to get into it. So let's let's dive deep. What were you going to say, Hibs? So this is like back in my Tumblr days, like maybe three, four years ago. And I remember because look, so basically I'm wearing like a Somali, um, this is a dress that you wear in the house. So it's just basically like a, it's called a bati. And then there's like a fancier version that you wear to weddings. And when you yeah. go to weddings, East Africans have the similar cultures to like East Asian, South Asian cultures, sorry, not East Asian. South Asian. Yeah. And, and we have like, headsets where it's literally got like a little bindi in the middle but it's you wear it to a wedding and I posted okay. a photo and this white girl goes <laughs> in my DM literally wrote the the mass the most biggest paragraph I wish I'd saved it because it was so funny she was like I don't think it's okay that you're like appropriating South Asian culture I was like that's East <laughs> African culture and also she told me not to have henna I was like are you all right because that's mad yeah like South Asians we all share this not the same culture but we all have similar like we all use henna and mendy we all mm -hmm. have like you either wear headsets yeah. or not necessarily bindis but like something similar to that and then this this white girl literally blatantly white I went on her profile clicked on a boat I was like this is a <laughs> My your honor, this is a white person, but yeah, she was just going off on me, and I literally could not stop laughing. I just thought, it's wow, just, who are you to even? It was also like you're just assuming where someone's from as well. Yeah, like she doesn't know you. More if it was from a South Asian person or someone who like didn't understand, because I would have been willing to like open talk up a dialogue and talk to them about it and say, hey, we share very similar cultures, but what it was just but, yeah. Well, it's, 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 yeah, and also it's like, why, why is a white person sort of almost putting you on fire for your own, yeah. for your own culture? Like, it's like do your it's own just, research. It's just, and hey, we said it's, this with, I said this to you earlier, Sarah, how can you be so loud and so wrong at the same time? Tell them. Like, actually, would you mind, like, share, giving the listeners what was going on? Oh my God, why am I stuttering? <laughs> so, would you mind telling the listeners like about your events of today? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. So I Twitter, and I posted a photo of Selena Gomez's new hairstyle, which is clearly like a black hairstyle. And then two other girls, you know, that girl who was like black fishing, Emma Halberg, the Swedish one on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And then another girl who's like Chris Brown's second baby mother or something like that. Anyway, she's acts like she's Blasian, but she's fully Asian. So I posted a tweet saying, which one of these ladies is black? And then I quote retweeted it again saying, that was a trick question, none of them are. <laughs> and someone, someone um, replied to my tweet and I didn't know who it was at first. And I realized it was someone I go to uni with, this guy, complete fucking incel by the way. So he commented and he was like, oh, that's racist. And I was like, oh, it's racist to point out that none of these women are black. And then he was like, your thought process is racist because it doesn't matter that about their skin color. And I was just like, yes, it does matter if you're purposely trying to make yourself darker to appear black and to mm. change the texture of your hair, but you don't want any of the oppression that comes along with being a black person. You just want to dip in, in and out of like, like it's almost a fucking fashion sense or something. Mm. Basically what the Kardashians do and think it's okay, you can get away with that. Yeah. 
It, it's yeah, just, it's it, funny. That was just a funny thing of the day. Like, I'm racist. I was like, you know what? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm racist. But the thing is, it's <laughs> like, even if, but even if you are racist, you're, you're a black woman, you can't do much about it, my love. <laughs> like, you can't do it. You can't really be racist if you think about it. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. Loads of people, like, I think with racism, when I was studying it at uni, it's like, it's, you got your person, you can get discriminated in three different ways. Let's say you get personal, institutional, and cultural. So cultural would be cultural appropriation and, um, personal would be like what someone has said to you, like, I don't know whether that's on the road or at your, like at your, well, hopefully not at your house. Um, but institutional would be when you go to universities, the more that you work with, um, well, the various well, places of institution. And I find it really mad how like people think that because people take like the personal thing and uh, expect the same um, impact as institutional and cultural, but that's not the case and the yeah. fact that I'm communicating with you as a dark-skinned black woman needs to be respected because how are you supposed to learn if you don't real like recognize the voice where it's coming from like there's just no point it's, it's like no I find one it really, really ever like no one really ever it's like for example you could have a black woman saying this to your face and people will just literally be like don't know what she's talking about but then it's like you could take her message put it on a white person's fit, like, like platform. And then everyone will be like, Oh, actually they're making points here. I yeah, see 100%. that like every day online, on every day. Like... I remember you sent me something, Ella, of that, who was that girl on Instagram who would like, um, she did like those illustrations and like that, those feminists. Yeah, we, 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 actually we, spoke we spoke about, her, about her last episode. Yeah. Um, well, was there's quite a friend? few of them. Uh, she's called Florence Given. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just like she's congratulated for being intersectional without actually working with black women, but she, but she uses their aesthetic like just to give her that. Yeah, and like um, I f I find the whole um, just that whole argument, you know, it's like with um white women with dreads or white women in like Southeast Asian um, you know, like traditional outfits. No one wants to listen to those actual women, but they will listen to a white woman spelling it out to them. Like you they won't actually consider a black woman's argument, yeah. you know? But like mm. as soon as a girl a white girl of like, I don't know how many, like a milli like Instagram followers says it's wrong, like it's instant. Kind of reminds wrong. me of the whole like for example, like all the, the like, um, sorry, I'm kind of going over my words as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, come on, don't you worry. Environmental activism that was like, especially with like African children, but it's like, there's this one girl, I think she was like South African. I'm trying to remember her name, sorry. Um, she's been like saying the exact same thing that Greta Thunberg has been like going on about and banging on about, but who do they listen to? The white girl yeah, from, yeah. She's did, from Sweden. Didn't they, oh, didn't they actually, sure um, didn't they crop her out of a photo? Some yes, newspaper. I saw that. Yeah, that was dreadful. <laughs> like, I, it's just it's just things like them. You, we think we're progressing, and then little things like that happen, and you're like back to square one. It happens literally. every like, day, though. And like, I'm at yeah. this point, I'm kind of not to say numb to it. I'm just kind of it's it's kind of a given, you know. And that's mm. unfortunate because I don't want to think like that, and I don't no. want to feel like that. But I it's kind of you kind of have to mentally set yourself up for like not failure but just not getting well it's like, awareness it's like a safety yeah. precaution isn't it because like where i was brought up in windsor like it literally has a castle like there's a queen there it's fucking white like it's so, it's, well. pardon 
I said it kind of blows my mind that you're like you're from there. Mate, it's okay. So like the fact that I was like brought up there made me really well. I mean, learn about racism very fucking quickly. But um, also, like it made me learn about different levels. So like you know how racism is power and prejudice. However, um, because um, I li- was living in such a economic like prosperous like environment the money like sort of heightened your expectations of people of others and also what they thought of you it like it's sort of like perpetuated in itself and it's interesting because some things I could tell you like I could I could I can literally see a racist white woman from a mile away however I didn't know like cultural appropriation didn't exist where I was growing up like I can promise you now I did the first time I probably saw like a, let's say a white person with like um afro protective hairstyles and stuff was probably when like probably when i was like 14 or 12 or something mm-hmm. like that and i just thought it looked funny and then when yeah. i obviously moved to uni and stuff i was like oh oh okay like it it just shocked me but that wasn't something that i was exposed to however yeah. maybe if i wasn't in windsor maybe if i was living in london instead i would have seen a different um I think as well, like, it, it kind of become a more of a big, like, a bigger issue as, like, when the internet kind of progressed on, like, especially with, like, uh, yeah. sites like Tumblr and stuff like that. For me, I only really grasped that when I was, like, 18. And now I'm, like, literally 24. So that wasn't very long ago. Yeah. But, like, I didn't, I did not know any of that, like, when I was in school or, like, mm. when, even when I went to college. Like, I just kind of, like kind of I would see a white person with like braids or dreads and I'd be like huh funny and then just like never think yeah like just go about your day but then as soon as like I started like being on tumblr and started reading all these posts I was like damn I actually agree with this like Mm. you know and it kind of like kind of woken up something in my brain Mm. about like Mm. kind of the microaggressions everything else along with that and like how it's acceptable for certain people to do to do those things sorry I got a bit of soup in my mouth. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> I mean, sorry, it was a chili flake. Um, yeah. Sorry, I kind of went on a, on a bit of a tangent as well. It's fine. We're all going on tangents yeah. today. Like, I, I generally... I, yeah. yeah, sorry, go on, Ella. Hello. <laughs> no, yeah, no, just, just, just like, off that, though, I think the reason... Because I think the same with me, really. And also just realising, in general, like, the racism that I grew up with that I wasn't aware to, that was just, like expected you know um I think like it's weird because when we were sort of teenagers and in high school like popular culture was so white like so white you remember it was all like Hollister like blonde size zero oh my god yeah yeah and now it's like moved it's 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 kind of like black culture is now like the main thing that's being commodified but it's Mm. being commodified by like white people pretending to be black people which is really weird so it's like no longer like fetish with black women and it's like people in big rappers and stuff like that will use women who aren't even black or like mixed race women who they think is the acceptable version of a black woman yeah the lighter they are the better it is and like they used to do that back in the day it was called the brown Mm. paper bag test and it was like if you were darker than a paper bag then you're not going to be in it and that's unfortunate because it's still like you're still stealing from black women because they're always they're always basically the trendsetters but Mm. putting it on a very lighter body which I just don't understand but I guess that's acceptable in the media now it's it's just it's strange it's like they 
they want to sexualize black women without including black women it's just it's it just it blows my mind really i think it's just like the 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 racial fetishization of being like mixed you know it's like what how white people always want to say like oh you know like i had like a granddad from like i don't know like vietnam or something you know Mm. like white people feel like really special if they have some kind of like um you know like a different culture other than white within their lineage they think they're better than everyone else and I think yeah. it's almost like that to the extreme it's, it's weird I think that whole thing like especially like what I see on the internet about people saying like like for example white women on TikTok who go I can't wait to have a black boyfriend and it's like they're literally fetishizing you and like talking about how they want mixed babies with green eyes that's just disgusting it is yeah it's like (laughs) it's like the same as being a eugenist like this is what the nazis were trying to achieve they were trying to achieve like like special breeds of people through like you know breeding different people do you get the like designer babies and stuff like that is actually like an extreme fascist ideal that they're tapping into there like is actually kind of disturbing argument with black men on twitter they'll say i don't get why black women are angry about this like they should be angry if anything they're bigging us up and it's like no hun it there's 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 flattery and then there's pure fetishization and i don't think fetishization is a good thing either because it's not they don't view you as a human they yeah they've used property as yeah exactly like a hundred a hundred percent well i've got another thing to ask you here we're like we're sort of going back and forth about like um um uh well the limp even though obviously it's like just morally wrong Mm -hmm. to fetishize dehumanize people etc but there's also this like this morally wrong area and being complicit and complacency to me just upholds the structure and I wanted to ask what you guys thought of that matter like essentially we're talking about a systematic problem and you've got these individuals who don't think they're that bad but they're not good either because they're not actively doing anything they're just like allowing it to sort of um literally the amount of times where i've been on nights out with like friends of friends or like people that i kind of like know but not that not that close that were like good good pals but like i've been in situations where obviously something either racial or cultural is brought up and i'm the only person who really speaks up about it and then everyone just kind of sits, sits there and thinks Oh, I'm not going to get involved, and it's like you're you're literally the reason why this is keeps happening because you're not saying anything, and you yeah. don't want to get involved, and you you want to be the person who doesn't want to have a problem with everyone. But at what cost does it like? Mm. Do you need to react for? Because if it's making me uncomfortable, and I'm supposed to be someone who you call a friend, then to me it's to me it's just yeah. fake, it's bullshit. And it's like you go on Instagram and you want to talk about your activism and stuff like that, and how you support women and how you repost these posts. But when it comes down to real life, and I'm fucking there, beep. It's like literally yeah. not a peep out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. It's like they're they're like there's a degree to which people sort of don't want to get involved because they don't want to i don't know i get i get being not confrontational but there's a difference between being confrontational and literally purposely not getting yourself involved when you know that it could if you speak up it could probably help the situation i think i think now nowadays what's disturbing is like what is more preferable is like an aesthetic of being like activist and progressive Mm. and inclusive rather than actually being that 
um, which really bothers me like across the board, like in every like form of liberation politics, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting because I have a lot of friends who, you know, for example, when it came down to the election and they'll be like, oh yeah, vote Labour. But then you see them go home to their fucking Tory parents and yeah, like, yeah. And, and it's not even like they're trying to get them to change their opinions mm. or like, at, like, you know, help the situation. It's more of kind of like, oh, I'm just going to be a Labour supporter while I'm checked in at uni mm. during the term time. It's bad. It's like, <laughs> I, I understand why people don't feel comfortable no i understand yeah like like you said i understand the non-confrontation aspect of it however i also think that you're not doing yourself a justice because you're sort of like well you're not doing yourself as well as the people around you yeah, justice yeah. because you're um <clears throat> i want to say like the range like sorry i don't know how to like work this i might have to like restart reload again sorry reload lol <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, I understand why people sometimes aren't comfortable with confrontation. However, if you choose to be complicit, if you choose to be ignorant, that's still a fucking choice. Like that excuse, that example would have, I would have accepted it when I was 16. I'm not now, you know, like I do not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're mm-hmm. you 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 pay tax, right? And you still can't make a decision, yeah. or not even just I make mean... a decision. But like you you can't make a decision, but you also aren't able to communicate that. Conf- like why? But I'm I'm like I just don't get it. Also, I think turning a blind eye it just causes so much more damage on so, so many more damage. levels. I, I can just think of an example, basically, just from, like, um, like my upbringing. So, mm. like, um, so in Cardiff, there's, like, a, a large um, sort of Asian community, like, like just, uh, it's mainly, like, Bangladeshi, Pakistani. But what I noticed when I was growing up, so I had friends from, like, Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, um, and then growing up, we, when we went to school we were told we were all told that like you know we're all equal you're all gonna go to uni you're all gonna get jobs and then as I was getting older say from the age of like 14 15 I couldn't go out with my Bangladeshi friend unless she had like a male chaperone or like she wasn't allowed to sleepovers and then like we got more and more distant and then like some of them whilst all our, my white friends were going to uni, they were all going um, and getting like arranged marriages or like having to stay home or like their parents were forcing them into more like domestic roles and jobs. And then none of the white people who were like the white adults in these situations, the people at school, the people involved in social services were turning around and saying anything because they were like, oh, this is a race issue. Like we don't really want to seem like racist. We don't want to overstep our boundary. Like we can yeah and it is and it is more of a cultural thing but there was like that instant like they were telling white girl like white girls were being told like you can be anything you want and then a black girl is or an asian girl is being told something completely different and then the people overseeing that in schools aren't yeah, they're being complicit. about it they are being compli- so they're turning worrying. a blind eye they're turning a blind eye like and, and it happens you see it across the board like people the not literally fail so many people like yeah every single day 
and it's just it it kind of makes you really sad to think about that and it kind of also makes me like I, I had the same thing where I had friends who literally who were also like, for example, like from Bangladeshi and Pakistani backgrounds who obviously mm. had a very strict, like very, very strict upbringings. And I always kind of questioned that. And I used to say to my mum, like, because people would make this assumption that it's a Muslim thing. And I said to my mum, like, how come like some people do that, but we don't do that? And she was like, it's not our religion. Like I said, it's before, a cult, it's a cultural yeah. thing. Yeah. And she said, she was like, God, like, I would never get you a range marriage. You don't have to worry about that. I yeah, was just yeah. like 13 years, years old, like, woo, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, I think that um, there, there is like a level within like different people's in, interpretations of cultures and stuff that are really misogynistic and problematic. And there's a lot of By the way, guys, I'm saying that all Pakistani or Bangladeshi cultures. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at just, all. Just it's, a disclaimer. No, of course not. Of course not. Because no, no, as well, a, like within white cultures, Culture, there's that as well there are people white people getting arranged marriages and being forced into those roles yeah, as well. I had a so we're not like friends who are like in really strict yeah like, yeah like it's it's not it's not at all marginalizing it it's just i think there is an issue with um white people seeing things that would happen to a black or an asian girl whereas it was happening for a white girl they'd intercept because there's mm. they don't see a cor- uh, like a cultural or a racial barrier but they feel too scared to be like yeah and they're and they're they're kind of like yeah but they're they're just sort of like not they don't they they're they're, i don't know there's just like something where they're like oh this this isn't where i I should be stepping i think i think it's various levels i think it's well i mean there's various layers i think one of the layers is the fact that um you see um well this cultural barrier so you immediately you are uncomfortable with how to navigate it um you're also in a place of power which means that you do um you have to follow like um is it bureaucracy like bureaucratic like sort of pathways to sort of implement the things that you want however because let's say if we were talking about the example of like white little white and brown girls or something with the white with how whiteness was portrayed, especially within history and within society today, is that whiteness is pure and angelic and innocent. So you want to cater to whiteness. You want to, you know, help whiteness. You want to absolve whiteness of your of its worries. However, when you see blackness, you're like, uh, uh, like that will do. Yeah. They'll sort themselves out. And those tropes sort of feed into the strong, independent woman, the um, the sassy black woman. Uh, whereas the white woman now can like fall into like. Like white women weaponizing their tears. Do you see how those two theories that have been throughout history, society for years and years and years are still perpetuated because of that dynamic and because of that conditioning of white is right and black is bad? Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, yeah. so it's, it's really so many years kind of like unlearn that myself because when I was like when I went to college I wasn't I used to go to a very like mixed school and then I went to the whitest college Mm. ever it was kind of like a culture shock for me but then as soon as I got there I realized I started to pick up the kind of tone of people that what they were using like to refer to me or like certain guys who were like oh you're a strong independent black woman and I just thought I kind of was like okay like yeah but okay but it just kind of made me realize the way that people viewed me before I even got to give them a chance to get to know me as a person. Oh yeah. Literally like, honestly, my mom, 
like I, well, I remember one of my first ever lessons in racism like I remember me and my mum were in Windsor I was maybe eight or like ten or something and we were walking down the street and this man walked into her and she just stared him the fuck out and she told me she's like Sarah because of like segregation laws and stuff black people were expected to move to a side when white people yeah. passed so whenever you walk you walk with confidence you walk in a straight line because people will be walking into you left right and center all the time so you i did that actually i tried that theory out like i was with my (laughs) friend and i said oh let me just for once not walk out of the way and the amount of men that just bumped into me and and then i'll look at them and they're like oh sorry and it's like what where the fuck you're going like i'm not making space for you (laughs) oh no don't never because that's the thing with me i see is the fact that oh Windsor that was round one round two is the world you you think I'm gonna undermine my behavior for you yeah. you're you're crazy you're crazy like how oh, how crazy. does that make sense because I've experienced living in a very white middle class area and then on top of that I went to fucking boarding school for three years that was a barrel fucking laugh like I don't know <laughs> what the fuck was there it was the most randomest thing ever for three years it was just bloody yeah. ridiculous like and I just find it mad how, like, all of my experiences has been so influenced by money and um, it's been influenced by racism that I know all of this shit. And when people ask me to, like, uh, come to me to be like, oh, this happened to you, this happened to you, I'm like, well, would, would you mean this happened to me? Like, you can, can read you this shit it? online. Like, yeah. it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Kind of- it was just, ex- it, I only faced extremities because of the, the well, I, the fact that I lived in that area and that I was darker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's All kind of, of it like, it's unfortunate to say, but like the whole collective black experience, like there is not a single black person you probably won't meet who hasn't experienced some level of like racism or, you know, like prejudice in their lifetime, which is unfortunate because like I can just, I can literally tell before I even like properly get to know someone that I'm just like, yep, we've, we've been through it. Like we've really, we look so haggard at this point. Like I'm just done. I'm sick and I'm tired of it. And I thought, back under uni, the eyes. literally, I thought coming to uni, I was like, finally, I'll be free from the clutches of racism. Le- little did I know Manchester was just. Oh my Manchester, God. like what I know, really noticed Manchester is so white. Like so white, like more than like How any many black other. people did you know? Like no. on, a, on the top of one hand, Sarah, I don't. I don't think so. Sarah. I think no. I. I don't think. I disagree. I feel like with Manchester, everyone is there visually. Like, I, I think it's diverse visually. Like, you always see different types of people and different yeah. walkways of life. However, yeah. actually developing, like, establishing relationships with them and, like, having close um, sort of communities with them is a lot harder to develop in comparison to, like, me in London. Like, if you think about it, though, uni-wise, though, like, for, like, for example, I don't know. Wait, did you go to uni of? Seven? Yeah, I went to uni of. So I don't know about uni of, but I, I can speak for like when I say MMU and especially for p- people like us, like for example, Ella, who like, who were all like either from fine art or like who did like film and stuff like that. Yeah. I literally know about maybe two black people uh, just in that, in that well, sense. That- I think it's it's really interesting just looking at both MMU and Uni of and realizing the cultural differences between the two and not even like <laughs> racial like class like I was like oh, one yeah. I was one of I was on a course of like 60 people and I was one of like five people on that course that wasn't privately educated and then like 
there was this whole thing like they would you know people in my class wouldn't talk to me because I wasn't from this specific area of London or I didn't go to this school that's so cringy and I hate when people do that like, I hate it so much yeah. I hate it so much and like I kind of get away with it I guess because like I like about one of like my first language is Welsh but like I kind of I have that like my parents are English speaking so I have a very like English southern accent mm. but like I think I get I sometimes get away with like sounding like I'm like a London posh girl and then like actually explaining to one of these people at a party like no nah, I'm not from London like I'm from fucking Cardiff and they're just like who the fuck is this girl like why is she at our party like why like you know it's it's it's, it's really like just weird just like and then um noticing my friends that go to MMU and they're like um, the people on their courses tend to not be middle class. You, you know what I'm saying? Like it tends to be like, and, and you know, that was originally like the polytech university. And you can see how these like class and racial lineages are still continued today within our like education system. Like, yeah. It's, no, I, yeah. I get it. Especially like through, in like the Manchester, like creative scene as well. I just think it's not very... For me, it's not very. Yeah, it's like, not. Yeah, no. Like. Yeah. Sorry, what was the word I was going <laughs> to? Inclusive. Or representative. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's like I'll, for example, Ella. We were when we went to that Antwerp thing. I'm not going to say anything to you. Yeah, about we we shouldn't yeah. we shouldn't like yeah, out name no. people. But no like, incriminate. Yeah. No incriminations here. <laughs> there was a lot of eye-opening things and clearly. Yeah. So you know. we we went we went to a um an art show basically that was <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> I'm trying to you say this pictures. without like out like like Outy like people. spilling dirt, but it was the premise oh, was gross. sex positive. I had this, on my... Sorry, the pre- yeah, <laughs> I just the premise. That jab on my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, the premise of this art show was like um sex positivity and like kind of female experience mm-hmm. and i think like me me and hibs just looked at each other and we were like this is this, uh, <laughs> this is very like, white well let's go outside for a sing and then we yeah. outside for about an hour and we were just like just talking about everything and anything that wasn't that <laughs> yeah and and it and, and it was it, it was strange because um you could see that this art show was put on to give clout to a certain number of white girls and then they were using a few like queer people and black people as oh yeah and here are like the people we're like tr- trying to include but they'll yeah. like they'll be on the wall over there even though that art actually said a lot more than their art was saying but <laughs> you know uh, yeah um yeah it was just like you could really it was really interesting seeing like their art compared mm-hmm. to like the black people's art and the gay people's art within that exhibition and how like more expressive it was yeah. and how um it was like kind of tackling stuff that was a bit less on the notion like you know like kind of i can't say the word like you know it was more like experimental like experience you know like it, you, you could look at it and be like yeah like it kind of related to your experience of sexuality more whereas all these white girls were like here are my tits and then you know yeah. I was, <laughs> you know and i know i literally i knew if i was going to go up to one of these girls and be like yo so here's your tits on a wall what's that saying i'd just get some mumble for 10 minutes like oh feminism like censorship very like, yeah, well, it, and that, that's all that's coming through in feminist art at the moment it's, it's, 
particularly from white women, it's just like, here are my boobs. I'm allowed to show myself. Fuck you guys, Gucci gang, fucking clout. I'm so fucking. done with it. I'm like, gonna draw a black girl and you're gonna love me because I'm so inclusive. Fuck it. I fuck it. I hate the it. Visuals I for you, Ella, right now. <laughs> I can see your hair like floating about. <laughs> no, but like it's... I, when I went, like when I went there, and I think I went upstairs and I sat down for a bit, and I just thought, like this kind of gave me like a bit of a fire under my ass because I thought, right, like I'm gonna just do my own shit and I'm just gonna make my own art that obviously. Mm-hmm. That people may, may or may not be able to relate mm. to but that's going to be not it's a reflection of you yeah not to bitch but obviously better than that because there's obviously more depth in there and it's more it, it, it it's it's to me it's not something very surface level and pretentious mm. in a sense mm. not to say that obviously art is subject sub, subjective but like that I, I don't know I just thought it was just an excuse for them to all just go and get fucked and just put throw something out there and just you know and do that yeah and I think there's a lot of very shallow content being made that Mm. gets projected because it's like I'm a woman feminism you know like Mm. and it doesn't go beyond that I'm part of this collective everyone follows follow us on Instagram and really it's like people aren't putting the effort into what they're making essentially Mm. because it's like slapping a name on it and then you're putting it Honestly, it's completely, completely fine if you just want to show your tits and be a bit narcissistic. But <laughs> don't pretend. Do yeah. not fucking pretend no, that you're trying to be like an activist, feminist, fucking god forsaken. <laughs> like, mo- do you get me? Like, just, just say like, these are my tits. I'm a narcissist. Why do you need to bring like a feminist narrative into it? There's, there's like free the nipple what that was like five years ago like even though it still needs to be going you know like we can can we can we like move on yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's 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 a dream that you say that because you talked about um things being surface level and one of the other things i wrote down was um a comfortness and being challenged right and i think the two mm. sort of align because essentially if you've got something that's surface level then you haven't um sort of you haven't pressed it enough you haven't pushed it enough to create depth and there needs like to be a place within yourself that you allow others in to challenge you or you can challenge yourself um safely for you mm-hmm. to develop and grow and i find it really intriguing because you've got all so many artists and sort of influencers it's like oh my god this thing look at this <laughs> all of that and it's like right okay cool that might be good for like the first 10 minutes and maybe your first paycheck but like that's not really um evoking change it's not very um like if it's if that feeds your soul, then who am I to judge? But I just don't see the two. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, and it's I just think... like if I look at art, especially if I'm gonna go to an exhibition and I and I want to see something new, I want to see something captivating, I want to see something like that's gonna make, make me stop and read the sign and think, oh, mm. that's really interesting. I don't want to fucking see something that's been regurgitated, that's been posted on every fucking social media platform, that's mm. just constantly your body, and it's also an acceptable version of a body. It's a white version of a body. It's it's a body that you know that you're using. You're also kind of weaponizing in a sense. And I just think like where is what the, do you mean by weaponizing because there was i think there was like one piece that i saw that was just kind of like um it had like a little sign on the bottom and it was like a girl's vagina i think did you see that ella and it was like a girl's no. vagina that was like a, maybe a drawing or a painting i can't remember but it had like a sign and it was just like um fuck this 
who I think it was like based on like sexual assault which I think obviously that's very important mm. but like it was just kind of like saying fuck this like you can use me you can fuck me you can do whatever you want but she was kind of like in the tone of like kind of weaponizing that but I don't know if that was a way, way for her to like reclaim the experience yeah. of what happened but I was just kind of like I don't know how it made me feel I just I yeah. guess well that's There's the thing because that, you're though. like that's yeah. a lot I think with anything as sensitive as um uh, uh, sexual coercion, sexual assault, sexual like sort of um, mistreat, like mistreatment. I think because it is such a sensitive issue for someone to reclaim that through like, well, yeah, for someone to reclaim that is ownership and taking like, re- well, they're reclaiming their power. So I think that, I mean, it, it, I hadn't seen the artwork, so I can't argue, but what do you think? Well, but one thing I'd say is that, like, the feminist art that's, like, sort of promoted again and again and gets the most attention is usually that kind of artwork that Hibbs just described, you know, of, like, I'm reclaiming my body from so-and-so. And it's almost, like, it just gets to a point where, obviously, like, of course, I'm all for, like, women using art and poetry and whatnot to, like, reclaim their bodies after awful traumatic stuff that's Mm. happened to them. But it gets to this extent, like, if... Saatchi or like MoMA or like Tay or any kind of art platform if they're repeatedly only um showing a narrative female artists the only fe- yeah like the only narrative of female art they're showing is sexual abuse and violence and nudity is yeah. that any different from like that that's been depicted from male artists throughout generations yeah. and it's like and we're still seeing women as like kind of bits now- of and it's still creating stereotypes as well. Yeah, um, it's, it's yeah. like vulnerability, you know. Yeah, definitely. You know what? Like, you've actually made me rethink what I've said. It's like now that's how it's reflected in the institutional setting of the art world, but it yeah. can be reflected in various aspects of. Um, well, mm. d- 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 it can be respect. It can be reflected differently in different aspects. So that's really intriguing. Um, but. I want to ask how, like, because I know us three as people, if someone told us, if we, we probably said something in this podcast, well, I'm sure I've probably said something in this, in the past three podcasts, that someone's been like, oh, wait, and then they've challenged it. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Okay, I accept it. And I can acknowledge it and then grow from it. What what <laughs> advice would you give to people to accept challenging comments? Because I don't, like, I just mm. reset when anybody's like, oh, yeah, that isn't true because some people don't and then you realize that they end up spending like sort of spreading more nonsense out in the world and they shouldn't mm. yeah. um i i think the first thing is never assume that you are always right and you are the most knowledgeable within a situation because mm. yeah. like i'm aware now like we've been talking about race for like the majority of this podcast i realized like i'm a white woman i have a lot of privilege and i'm i need to learn from like my black friends and like people when they're talking about these issues and I'm not going to be the one leading that conversation because it's not my experience it's my it's um it's it's my responsibility to listen Mm. and to be aware and to um yeah and to like take uh, take advice and just be you know more aware and more open and like knowledgeable about these things I can't if I can, I couldn't come into this conversation and be like, I, I'm a feminist, mm. you know, I've yeah. got this platform, I, you know, that's completely people, wrong. Like, have done that and they've come into conversations and then spoken over the people of colour. Like, yeah, and exactly. also, by the way, I hate that term. People of colour and black people are not, is not an interchangeable, like, term. Like, you can't mm. 
replace one for the it's other. Not, it's not. It's not. It's like literally, like I, I just find it ridiculous. Like someone said to me, "Oh, like because you're a person of color." I was like, "I'm not a person of color. I'm a black I'm person. A black my experiences yeah. are my my experience are very different to yours. Where everyone has a different history, different exploitation, a different yeah, discrimination." Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I just, yeah, I kind of, I kind of think as well, um, especially within feminism, it's it's reached a point where white women are speaking on behalf of black women, and it's like it, that's so wrong to me because, like, how can you like, how can you know, you know, like, mm. you 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 can't be leading those conversations. It, that's not your place. You know, you, you can be involved in those conversations and you can listen and be receptive, but you cannot be leading that at yeah, all. The like, only you time do I not... think it's okay for them to use their platform is to basically boost that person's voice. Don't use your yeah, platform definitely. to steal their work and to steal what they're saying just to like Absolutely. reuse that and like pa- package it in an acceptable form because that's yeah. also you like, silencing people like black women especially. yeah because mm. i see it a lot like um especially about the artists we're talking about stealing things that like black activists have written and have said and then like sort of milking it down and pretending it's her own words and it's like no repost it fucking ask maybe your publisher or someone if they can like do something with it maybe get them involved in one of your shows like mm, definitely it's not don't steal other people's voice voices to make yourself look like a better activist mm. it's just it that's completely just diminishes every oh. form of like equality or like that you're about you know so yeah, no, that's really interesting how you said don't steal other people's voice because it's that whole idea of centering again. And I think within um, feminism, to make it truly intersectional, you need to appreciate and become accustomed to the need, no, and, and tailor to the needs of the community, whether that is um, uh, influenced by race, whether that's influenced by culture, whether that's influ- influenced by ability. It's um, something that you have to be mindful of because if you aren't, then you're, then it sort of limit- limits the progress that we all are collectively having because we're not moving forward. Like, it's not fair if one group's moving forward and then the other group is like five miles away from that group and then the other group is five miles. It's like some fucked up relay. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Um, and I, and I, <laughs> I think I think it's it's one of those things. I think. Um, oh my god, I'm trying to find I find the words to say what I'm, is in my brain. Sorry, <laughs> just no, like, don't you worry. Oh, um, I That's think something that um, I'm learning to navigate, like yeah. doing this podcast. I, I think I think it's very easy for white women to project themselves forwards and forget other people and um because it's like they've been they've been kicked down now they're suddenly on this pedestal of like oh yeah you know we are the witches that couldn't be burnt and they're feeling all this pride in that and all this like positive energy so like it's almost like there's that thing of like oh why should we share this with other people why should we push other people forwards that you know that own like liberation that they're getting from this moment in history almost sort of fuels their egotism and almost surpasses the need to be inclusive which Mm. I think a lot you know and it's like we're the witches that couldn't be burnt and it's like well your dad was probably a fucking colonialist you know he probably owned slaves (laughs) you know yeah 
I find that a lot, but yeah. Um, no, that was great, Ella. I'm really um, appreciative of everything that I've learned from you and Habers in this section. I'm going to take you guys to now um, Tarot Talks. And Tarot Talks is where I do a little tarot reading for you guys. Ooh. And um, in the spirit of the divine feminine, in the spirit of intersectional feminism um, specifically, um, one of the first questions that I want to ask is how does... Um, well, spirit, provide guidance um, to the movement um, becoming more inclusive? Like, what does spirit have to say in enhancing that, like, ideal? Oh. How are you guys feeling? Hope you're all breathing right now. Oh, Can that I'm energy come through you? My room. I'm just thinking about all the work I have to do after this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, amazing. So, we're not. Oh, now I've got emails coming up. Yeah, yes, please. So, we've got, we're now into our next segment of Tarot Talks where I provide a tarot reading for my two guests. Um, I've got the assistance, oh, you're still in the camera, I'll move it inside. <laughs> we've got the assistance of my great housemate, Alice. You can't say her, see her at the moment, but she's great. And um, she's helping me record a little bit of the tarot. So, woohoo! Um, so the first question that I sort of wrote down, because on the spirit of divine feminine, intersectional feminism, I wanted to ask Spirit to provide guidance in the movement becoming, um, becoming more inclusive. And I drew the Eight of Pentacles, right? The Eight of... Wait, can you guys see that card? Yeah, Eight of Pentacles. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So here you see a lady... She is um, working on her art. She's drawing a pentacle. And pentacles are associated with the element of Earth. And Earth is shouting out to all my, you know... Um, sorry, I forgot all the horoscopes that are associated with Earth. I'm a Taurus, Earth sign. Yeah. Shout out, was it? Taurus? <laughs> Taurus, Virgo, amazing. I'm going to say that again. So this is a shout out to all my earth signs, you know, Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn. Um, when we think of earth and tarot and pentacles, we talk about anything that's external to us. So this could be represented or reflected in um, your health, your wealth, your career. But also it could be like your ego, something that's sort of outside of you that is sort of, um, well, just recognized more efficiently by anything outside of you. So when we see the Eight of Pentacles, it suggests that someone is honing their craft. They're perfecting it. They're mastering it. Um, with Eight, we see continuity, consistency, but also a balance, which suggests to me that spirit is encouraging us to um, sort of make sure that things are are being developed within our space and I mean like our home survey so like our body our interests our beliefs because when you see the eight of pentacles it's something that's not it's not completion yet you're sort of still learning how to mature it you're still learning how to um find that equilibrium of the yeah. um well the, that's the, the energy of the card that's reading it's intriguing because like 
we said it in the response to providing guidance to the movement becoming more inclusive and I think that suggests that we need to still sort of do work within ourselves like harvesting our craft because you see with the eight of pentacles it's a lone figure she's by herself she's indoors she's um uh sort of um sort of so much focus has been like put into her work so that tells me that spirit is encouraging us to look into ourselves to then be a better piece for the collective later on does that mm -hmm. make sense yeah. how do you feel from that well, I think just like um, we're, the fact that she's indoors and by herself now is kind of quite reflective of quarantine at the moment. Mm. And I think maybe this is a good opportunity for people to maybe reflect on like the work that they're doing or want to do yeah. and like how that can actually play into either helping people or just just as simple as being more inclusive mm. and more accessible. Yeah. yeah. You had a question. Um, uh, sorry, Hibs, what were you saying? Oh no, I was just saying, I was just saying how that's like really interesting because like recently the last couple of, not days, maybe the last two weeks, I've just started like doing that more. Not to say that not everyone has been self-reflecting, but you know, for me, because I'm someone who's just kind, kind of like a bit scattered and all of it, I put my thoughts out there and that's that. Like I've just started to more keep things like journaling, like ideas and stuff like that. Whereas like before mm. I'd like put it out there, create something and then move on to the next thing. But now it's more of kind of like, planning more i think in a yeah, sense yeah yeah I'm, I'm such a like i like mm. to just do things and then get it out of the way and then just do something else but that's just me and my adhd brain we've <laughs> <laughs> got like, a million things going on so yeah, yeah just kind of be more grounded in a sense but yeah yeah grounded that is actually such a good word to sort of um I should be grounded considering I'm a Taurus, but like <laughs> I think my, my cancer rising sign and my Pisces moon just makes me like a bit all over the place. We love water signs. Like yeah. A water sign on a fire sign. So I have no sense of grounding. Yeah. I'm just crazy. <laughs> I'm just crazy. <laughs> um, Ella, you had a question for the tarot reading. What was it? Yeah, um, it was just like, how can we continue challenging ourselves um in order to progress um our outlook on life and also our activism yeah. so how can we find like politic like positive elements of being challenged or like challenging ourselves or just like taking in other people's opinions and challenges towards sort of our rhetoric yeah interesting so you know how i said i was doing two cards mm -hmm. I'm now doing three. <laughs> so spirit has just jumped out in the force of two cards. So I'm going to respect what spirit has to say. So um, the next the next card that flew out of the deck is the eight of cups. Can you see that? Yes. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, oh, you know what? This is actually so interesting. So you know what? I'm showing you the second card, but now I'm going to show you the third card that's just come out. What What's is that? This? Is this the page of the pentacles? pentacles? So we've got a lot of cups and pentacles, which are mm. good signs. It's really interesting because the first image you see this lady who's mastering her craft at home, indoors, more introverted, but eight of cups 
Eight of Cups, you see a figure um, about to like sort of walk to the right, um, like off into the distance. And she's prepared because she's got baggage on her. She's wearing a woolly hat. She's got some like really high socks on. So it suggests to me that it's someone's going on um, a journey, but like a soul journey. Because the Eight of Cups, Cups is all to do with like your emotions, your feelings, like you said, like your water, <laughs> your water elements right now. Um, and when I think of eight again, so we got two eights and we got two pentacles. Interesting. Very, mm. very interesting. Amazing. So it's interesting because we've got two eights and we've got two um, pentacles. Um, the eight of cups, as we said, is sort of like a soul mission, like a soul journey, because we're associating it with a water element. So it's going to be something that, um, sort of finding something that satisfies the heart's joy, like something that feeds the soul, you know? Yeah. Um, but what's really, really, really interesting as well is the last card, which is the Page of Pentacles. And when we look at um, Tarot, we've got these things called Court Cards, and they basically show um, like a higher meaning or like a major archetype um, being presented this card, whether it's in a form of personality or it's someone that you know. Um, but the Page of Pentacles, again, associated with Earth, but this is supposed to sort of celebrate youthful energy and optimism and um, adventure and childlike wonder. And because you've got a page of pentacles, it suggests that like the individual has um, sort of identified their wants and desires, but now it's on a physical plane. So that's going to be um, signing up for to new events, putting on, um, uh, projects with a community that might be uh, like, I guess, you're essentially trying to sort of identify, investigate, experiment with things that um, are of interest to you, but on something that's coming from a place of love because you've got the eight of pentacles which this is an individual who's isolated but also honing her craft you see the transition of eight of cups sort of um going off on one's journey following off their desires and then the page of pentacles to sort of end it to signify um establishing a foundation within within oneself that you're able to now present that to one's world. Cause you see the figure, she's like holding a pentacle to show like sort of a gift or a present or something of like high status. What do you mm -hmm. guys feel from that card? Well, I from those cards, like what do you get? It's, it's cause it's interesting. Cause it's obviously we're in um, lockdown at the moment, but I think this whole pandemic and this, time that we're in right now is very crucial because it's going to be a very transformative experience for everyone because mm. it's the uncertainty of like the future and how everything's going to be after this for all of us it's it's, mm. it's something to kind of like look forward to but also kind of be a bit scared about i think mm. I know, I keep, I keep thinking this, like, who, who is the thought, like, crossed anyone's mind, like, as soon as this is over, like, I need a therapist kind of thing? Do you feel me? <laughs> like, it's just, like, being inside your own brain so much, like, I guess, like, that's a bit scary, really. Like, how, how are we all now going to, like, be super social after this all happens, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I think it's a sense of, like, maybe 
positive transformative things can happen from isolation Mm. yeah if you allow it if you access it if you sort of um value exploration of self you'll be able to access it and i think that's what the sort of card means like collectively because we're in we're talking in response to becoming more inclusive but also um decreasing those levels of like complacency within the systematic like destruction so i'm yeah i'm really i'm really intrigued and really excited with that message it gives me it gives me hope it gives me faith you know yeah it gives me hope as well amazing (laughs) um yeah so what's your text home message guys say mine is um again something that we touched on earlier never assume you're right always take on criticism as something positive and always be mindful of your privileges and how um and how you can overcome them within institutional and societal sense yeah amazing what about you hibs how do i even follow that i mean i can <laughs> i literally agree with that completely i mean i would give something but honestly like i said before i'm so blank-minded at the moment that i can't even (laughs) don't worry well i've got one for us um so my direct message is um don't put your two pence in with the wrong currency and <laughs> you know that famous saying like don't put your two pence in etc it's just a little wordplay on that because you have people thinking that they can talk to you about matters that don't concern them that they don't experience that they don't can they can't appreciate so when i say that i'm asking people not to um provide unsolicited advice on a situation that's not ever going to be their reality and I think that should be taken by everybody because like I'm not going to tell someone who is I don't know like deeply deeply rigid religious my views on their religion yeah I don't know their currency. I don't know their language. I don't know what experiences has led them to those decisions. So I can just sit here as a guest and learn your information, which I think is really important. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's my one, you really. Agree, like you can just, you can still sit there and just listen to them. It's not, exactly. about, it's not a matter of agreeing or not. It's, it's a matter of listening to one another. And I feel like people, yeah. even if they like don't agree with it, they just, They'd rather not listen to it, which is like you're not really yeah. having a dialogue, you're just going back and forth. No, definitely. I'd say like listen before you state your opinion and speak. But yeah. Amazing. Be, I think what mine is gonna be is don't be loud and wrong. And yes, bring, tell them. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Well, I'm so, 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 so happy. Like, I've honestly had such an amazing time speaking to you guys. So, it's been um, so fun. Thank you for amazing. having us. Yeah, no, honestly, thank you, thank you for having, like, thank you for coming on. Like, I wanted to do this podcast with you guys for so long. I think we spoke about, we spoke about so much. We spoke yeah, we about complacency <laughs> and discrimination. We talked about race. We talked about identity. Like, oh, all the isms. Like, <laughs> amazing well would you guys like to plug in your socials um so if anybody wants to find you for listening to this mm-hmm. podcast um yeah. follow me on insta which is at hib.s yeah and uh, uh my instagram is at ella 666 joe and uh my collective's instagram is at studio scum both on instagram 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, my name is Sarah, and this has been DM Talks. Amazing. Yay. Bye. <laughs> Love you so much. See you later. Bye. <laughs>